0: First Chronicles chapter 17. In First Chronicles uh, chapter 17, you've got David expressing a desire, and uh, Nathan, the prophet, seems just as excited about David as David about this project that he wants to do for the Lord. And uh, you're going to see what the Lord uh, tells him here. And uh, look at, if you notice the first four verses, First Chronicles chapter 17, and uh, it says, Now it came to pass, as David sat in his house... That David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. So he's addressing the fact that the ark of the covenant is not uh, in a uh, nice house like he has, and he wants to do something about it. What he is proposing, if you look at the chapter, he wants to build the temple and uh, wants to do this. And notice the response of uh, Nathan. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. Boy, wouldn't that be exciting? I want to do something for the Lord, and the preacher says, Go ahead, man, do all that's in your heart, the Lord's with you. Man, that's exciting. But look at verse 3. And it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. Now, I would call that a bummer. <laughs> that's no good right there. David, go ahead and do all that's in your heart. The Lord's with you. Now, this is at night that God comes to Nathan. Can you imagine how David feels? David's going home, and I bet David had a hard time sleeping that night. He's probably thinking, man, this is going to be the best place, the temple. I mean, the grandeur of it all. And... Uh, I'm gonna put something together here. This is, this is gonna be fantastic. He's probably is he's getting more excited by the minute. He probably had the whole, are you like this? I get like this sometimes I have an idea and uh, I, it's, it, the idea is not for uh, another year, but I gotta have it all planned out right away just cause I can't get it off my brain. It's not that I have to, uh, that I'm, I'm a super early planner. It's just, I, I can't stop thinking about it. And I get excited about it. I imagine that's how David was. He's going home, and he's thinking, I get to build a temple for the Lord. This is going to be fantastic. So that's David's standpoint. Can you imagine Nathan's standpoint? The Lord comes to him. If I'm Nathan, I'm thinking, I'm saying to the Lord, yeah, but I already told him yes. (laughs) And I'm not saying Nathan, well, Nathan should have asked the Lord. There's probably a truth there, and I think Nathan was in the habit of going to the Lord. The Lord doesn't rebuke Nathan at all for not asking him. But Nathan is there and he's already told the king it's going to be fine to do this. And now the Lord comes to Nathan and says, go tell him he's not allowed to. I don't think Nathan slept as well as David did. I think Nathan's thinking, oh, man. And how do you think that meeting went the next day? When David comes in and David is flying high. Do you ever have to give somebody bad news or awkward news? You don't want to share it with them, but you know you don't have a choice but to share it with them? And and the more they talk, the more you're thinking, oh, man, what am am I going to do here? And Nathan's saying, ah, I've got it all planned out. This is where we're going to get the wood. This is how we're going to do it. I want to cover it and go. I I want to just go all out. And Nathan's thinking, ah, as soon as he's done talking... I gotta give him the bad news. Have you ever had to deal with disappointment? We all do. It's no fun to deal with disappointment. It's no fun when God has to tell us no to something. I wanted to be taller than I am. (laughs) I had a growth spurt, just didn't last very long. (laughs) I never feel as short as when I'm around your preacher, right? The microphone's way up here, you know, and I, I come up here. I'm like, I got to lower that down. But we we get disappointed in things. I hate to tell people no, but what do you do? How do we deal with disappointment? I want to look at this passage, and I want to, to bring some things to your attention. I think will be an encouragement to you. Uh, Pastor said earlier he was talking about trusting the Lord, talking about our faith. We sang songs about that. Boy, talk about the opportunity to trust the Lord. So let's look at this passage and see what encouragement we can get when we have the situations in life that we're disappointed about or when God has to tell us no. First of all, I want you to notice, sometimes God says no. Well, we had a great idea. This is a great idea. I want to do something for the for for the the ark of God I want to build a temple. I want to build a house for it. That is a great idea In fact, what makes it a great idea just that it was clever. No, think about it. This this is a a spiritual It came from a heart of spirituality. This he's not being selfish He's wanting to do something to glorify God to, he, he's thinking, you know what? This is what I have, but I want to do something for the Lord. It came from the heart of spirituality. It came from the heart of humility. You know, who am I to do this? But I would like to do this. He even asked. He didn't come into Nathan and said, this is what I'm going to do. He went to the preacher and the preacher said, yes. And he, he, he gets in deep here. He, does, he says, do all that's in your heart. And then what does he say? And the Lord's going to be with you. Man, I'm not even in on this on my own get to do what I wanted to do for the Lord and he is going to bless it and it came from a desire to bring glory to God that to me from a heart of humility a heart of spirituality and a desire to please God to bring glory to God that sounds to me like a great idea if it were a litmus test of your idea is not good enough well that, that might be a little more understandable that would be hard to handle Knowing I've got a great idea, an idea that would bring glory to God. And you've been told yes. And God comes and says, I don't want you to do that. That'd be a tough pill to swallow. I want you to notice not only sometimes God says no when we had a great idea. But David wasn't the only one God said no to, you understand. God said no to Nathan, the prophet. Nathan said, go ahead and do it. And God came to Nathan and said, I know you already said for him to do this and that I would bless it, but you are going to go tell him no. So God didn't just tell David no, he told Nathan no. And sometimes God tells us no when we already had our mind made up. Nathan's mind was already made up. Boy, I've been there where I'm getting ready to do something. I'm getting ready to, uh, to, uh, to execute a plan. I've got my mind made up and circumstances or God uses the circumstances or God impresses upon us and says, no, I'm not going to let you do that. It's a, but it's a great idea. No. But I've already got my mind made up. God is excellent at changing my mind. Right? Not only that, we see from the part Nathan's part, this is embarrassing here. The disappointment is public. It's one thing when God tells me no, when I have an idea in my study or I have an idea at home and I'm thinking about doing something and God tells me no. I've dealt with that disappointment before. But there's times that God tells me no and it's embarrassing because everybody already knows. Boy, I've had that happen too many times. You're excited about something, you've got a great idea, a spiritual idea, something that would please the Lord and God says no, you've already made your mind up and God says no, and the disappointment is public. Sometimes God says no because we serve him and not the other way around. Well, You'd think that, would, that lesson would stay learned. <laughs> that, that lesson doesn't stay learned. I wish it did. But every time God says no, if God has told you no to something, whatever your desire is, whatever situation that you feel stuck in, you feel mired in, whether it's a job situation, your health situation, a family situation, on and on and on, whatever it is, you may, be, you may feel like you are stuck there and, okay, it's a reminder that we serve God and not the other way around. I'd like to say I've never told God what to do. I do this when I pray all the time, right? In fact, there's times I can't see an answer to prayer or how God could answer a prayer, so I feel like I've got to tell him how to do it. God, here's what I need in this situation, and here's how I want you to go about doing it. And God was not in heaven holding his breath, wondering how he was going to solve a problem. But fortunately for God, I made the suggestion. He's like, that's what I'm going to do. Now, God gives us the privilege of prayer. He does. What an awesome responsibility. Do you ever pray this way? There's times I pray this way all the time. God, here's what I would like you to do, but if, my, if this is not what you want, if you have another way you want to do it, then go with your idea, not my idea. Why? Because he doesn't ever have a bad idea, and I have them all the time. God says no when we had a great idea. God says no when we already had our mind made up. God says no even though the disappointment is public. God says no because we serve him and not the other way around. And from the life of David here, this is is tough. It's one thing if God tells me no. But sometimes, look at verse, back in verse 4. Go and tell David, my servant. Why didn't God come to David and said, David, I know what Nathan said, but I don't want you to do it. See, if God tells me no, I can handle that a lot better. And the thought is this, sometimes God says no, and he uses other people to tell you. Boy, I don't, I don't like it when somebody else tells me no on God's behalf. And by the way, we all have relationships, every single one of us, where there is submission. Whether it's submission to a pastor, sub- submission with our spouse, submission at work, I'm a pastor of a church, well, is there, and I'm the husband, so is there any submission there? Sure. One, there's, there is a matter of submission with my wife and I, and I always get the last word in uh, whenever we uh, have a disagreement. It's usually yes, ma'am. And uh, I'm like the, the fellow that was bragging to his friend at work, and he said, hey, listen, last time my wife had an argument, By the time we were done, she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. He said, really? He said, how did you do that? He said, I was hiding under the bed. (laughs) You come out of there, right? I'm afraid to fight my wife. Why? She's taller than me. She puts her hand out. I won't be able to reach her. As a pastor, I serve the people of the Lewis Avenue Baptist Church. And I serve God. When somebody else is the one that has to tell us no, especially when we feel like, what do we do? We try to see through everything that they said. Well, here's, here's why it would have been a good idea. Here's why they shouldn't have said no. Here's why this. But sometimes God tells us no and he uses another person to be the one to inform us. David was told by Nathan. God told Nathan and Nathan came to David. That's a tough pill to swallow right there. This is good. Sometimes God says no, but he always has his reasons. Look at verse 5. It says, For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel unto this day, but have gone from tent to tent and from tabern- one tabernacle to another. This is God talking and still, still talking to uh, Nathan. Tell this to David. Verse 6. Wheresoever I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have ye not built me a house of cedars? I never said that to them. Verse 7, Now therefore, thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. I took thee from the sheepcote even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Also, I will ordain a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they shall dwell in their place and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them anymore as at the beginning. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, Moreover, I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee a house, and it shall come to pass when thy days are expired, and build him a house here. Now he's talking about his descendants, David's descendants when thy days are expired that thou must go to be with thy fathers that I will raise up thy seed after thee which shall be of thy sons and I will establish his kingdom he shall build me an house and I will establish his throne forever I will be his father and he shall be my son I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee Saul But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forevermore. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Good for Nathan. God tells David, David, I don't want you to do it. One day I'm going to let your son build me a house. I have my reasons. God tells us no. And if he ever tells you no, he has his reasons. But do you know there were other reasons? Do you know when David got to find out these reasons? In chapter 28, years later, God tells David, if I were to ask you, those of you that that uh, that know maybe the story or know your Bible well, you've learned it for years or whatever, and if I were to ask you, why didn't David get to build a house for God? you probably would say, well, he was a man of war. And God told him that, but God told him that years later. In other words, yes, God told Nathan, tell him this and here's the reason. God has his reasons. But the next point is this, sometimes God says no and he doesn't tell you all the reasons. He did not tell David this reason until years later. I wish God, anytime God says no, I wish he would come to me and say no and this is why. Here is why I'm not gonna answer your prayer. Here is why I am not gonna take away that affliction. Here is why I, it reminds me of Paul in the Bible, right? Take away this thorn in the flesh. It was given, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And God, please take this away. Three times I asked him and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul says, I'll glory in it. Why? Because he's given me his grace, that sustaining grace. But but God didn't tell him any other reason. There may have been other reasons. But the point is this, if God were to tell you no, and he's told all of us no, he has his reasons. We have to have faith. Sometimes he lets us know what those reasons are. Sometimes he says no, you can't figure it out, and all of a sudden, man, that would have been a catastrophe. Right? Some of you adults in here, now you're married to someone, and you look back and you think, I thought I was going to marry someone else. And now you're thinking, what a train wreck that would have been, right? God tells you no, but he doesn't always tell, he has his reasons, but he doesn't always tell you what his reasons are. Boy, you know what this is? This is the message on faith, because it's dealing with disappointment. Dealing, do, do we trust him? Th- think about it this way, okay? A couple of attributes of God that we, we all would acknowledge. God is omniscient, so he, he knows what is best for us. God is all-powerful, so he is able to do what is best for us. God is love, so he wants what's best for us. Imagine if you only had two of those three. He wants what's best for us, and he can do what's best for us, but he doesn't know what that is. I I would do it if I could figure out what was best for you. I just don't know what's best because he's not omniscient. Or what if I know what's best for you, and I love you, so I want what's best for you, but I'm not omnipotent, so I can't do what's best for you. Or if he was lacking love, I know what's best for you, and I'm able to do what's best for you, but I don't want to. But we don't have to worry about that. My microphone's trying to make a run for it here. It's trying to escape. We don't have to worry about that. He knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. And he's able to do what's best for us. This is a message of faith. Yes, we have disappointment. And God will tell us reasons sometimes. But he may not tell you the reason. You may never find out what the reason is. So what do we do? All right, Lord. I got to trust you. Hey, good news. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So, therefore, if I have faith, I am able to please him. Well, how do we get that? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We spend time in his word. Boy, there are many situations, no doubt, that have caused many of us to be broken, but one of the toughest ones is the disappointment that comes from God, feeling like God. Why wouldn't you allow this? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for years. Why won't you allow it? God has his reasons. Not only that, sometimes God says says no, and I've explained this one, so I'll just give it to you and then move on. And it gives us a greater chance to trust him. That's the one I've just preached. And sometimes God says no. But he wants us to accomplish something better. So back in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, look at how it picks up the story in verse 16. And David the king came and sat before the Lord. So where is this encounter with Nathan? It's just that one verse. Nathan told him all that God said. I I wish the Bible gave us more details on that. I'd love to know that encounter. So David has been told no now. And look what he does in verse 16. And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And yet this was a small thing in thine eyes, O God, for thou hast also spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come. Remember, it wasn't just tell David no. Tell David no, but let him know I'm gonna let his son take care of this. And by the way, his lineage is going to reign for a long time. And he said, who am I? that you would give this goodness. He didn't focus on, I can't. He focused on, you mean you're going to do this for me? He says in verse 18, What can David speak more to thee for the honor of thy servant? For thou knowest thy servant. O Lord, for thy servant's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all this greatness, and making known all these great things. O Lord, there is none like thee. Neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we've heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness by driving out nations from before thy people whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt. For thy people Israel didst thou make thine own people forever, and thou, Lord, becamest their God. Therefore now, Lord, let the thing that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant, concerning his house, be established forever, and do as thou hast said. Let it even be established that thy name may be magnified forever, and do as thou hast said. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I skip back up a line. The Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel. And let the house of David thy servant be established before thee. Verse 25, For thou, O my God, hast told thy servant that thou wilt build him a house. Therefore thy servant hath found in his heart to pray before thee. And now, Lord, thou art God and hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Now therefore let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant that it may be before thee forever. For thou blessest, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. Now think about this. What did David want in the first place? What do we start with the chapter? Uh, at the beginning of the chapter, I want to build a house for God. And what does he praise God for right there? Man, you said it's going to be built. That's, that's all I wanted. You, you know what David did? He removed himself. from the, this, this was never about me. I get to build a house? Man, this is unbelievable. Why do I get to build? God? No, you don't get to build a house. Your son's going to build a house. The house is going to get built. Oh, that's what I wanted anyway. Listen, it's a life-changing transformation when the cause of God becomes what we want, not us accomplishing the cause of God. That's a byproduct, and that's wonderful. And I want to get in on it, and I don't want to miss out on it, but I want the cause to go further. Think about this. I was teaching in my Bible class here uh, in the last week. I still teach 9th and 10th grade Bible uh, as one class, and I love that part of my day and getting to stay in touch there. And the days like today, I'm not able to be there. Other, other folks filling in, doing a wonderful job. But last week, we were in the book of Acts, and we're studying the story of Paul in Thessalonica and Berea in Athens, in Acts chapter 17 time Paul went to a city, he went to the synagogue first. He always went to the Jew first, if there was a synagogue in the city. And he gets, the Jews chase him out of Thessalonica. And so they go about 60 miles to a place called Berea. They're known, wonderful testimony of the Bereans. They, they, They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the scripture with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were sold. What a testimony! And they received the word, but you know what? These Jews are willing to travel 60 miles to give Paul grief from Thessalonica. They come, they cause a problem. And Paul, it doesn't say who it was, but I imagine it happened to something like this. They came and Silas and Timothy were there and say to Paul, uh, they all say, we gotta leave again. We just left Thessalonica and now we gotta leave Berea. And they're saying, yeah, Paul, we, we, we got to leave, except we got to just change that one word to uh, you. You got to leave. You have to go. And wait a second. Why were they here in the first place? Because Paul was called into Macedonia. Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. He was called into Macedonia by the vision of a man. God called him. He went to Philippi first, then to Thessalonica. God called him, and now he is having to leave this church? Why in the world did he do this? Those of you that are in chapel today, talking about our willingness to sacrifice. Talk about a willingness to sacrifice. He was willing to leave Berea so that the others could have a ministry there. He went to Athens and left behind his team. He spent months waiting for his team to come, at least months. Can you imagine how lonely Paul was? Wait a second. Where is his consolation? His consolation was he wasn't so, he wasn't so concerned that he started a church in Berea as that I want a church started in Berea. And if you guys can do it, man, this is going to be great. You guys do this. And he left. They escorted him out of town. Paul, you're the only one they have a problem with. Would you be willing to leave? And Paul was willing to leave. Boy, talk about selflessness. By the way, when Paul went to Athens, you, you're familiar with the, some of the phrases, I think, from the story. He was, his heart was stirred when he saw the city, he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And he goes to a place called Mar- Mars Hill. And he, they, they, they heard him teaching and they took him before Areopagus, not to be confused with Snuffleupagus. That is Big Bird's <laughs> friend, okay? So Areopagus is a council. They would try religious matters. And so they brought him before the council, and they were scoffing at him as he's talking and he's telling them listen, you guys even have a, 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 a an idol to the unknown God. That's the in case I missed you, God. Here's the idol. Which one's that? In case we missed any, this is, this one covers it. We're all covered, we've got this one. And Paul tells them that these idols are nothing and that and, and a great sermon to them. And They seem merely amused. Huh. But hold on. There was a guy there by the name of Dionysius. The Bible says an Areopagite. One of the members of the council in Athens got saved. Why? Because Paul never made it about him. Okay, you guys take care of Berea, and I'm going to go down here. And he didn't go to Athens, by the way, to start a church. And a lady named Damaris, Dionysius, and Damaris got saved because Paul went down there. You know, God may tell you no, but he knows what he's doing. And he's got something better. And then the last thing I want to tell you about this story with David You you don't have to turn there, but if you want to read 1 Chronicles chapter 22, you know what 1 Chronicles 22 is? David getting psyched out of his mind, excited. It's in the Greek. Well, I guess that's Old Testament. Be the Hebrew. (laughs) He is pumped that he gets to put the plans together to build the temple. He puts all of it together for Solomon. In other words, God told him no, and you know what he did? He decided he was going to be pumped for God's new plan. Somebody else gets to build it. Oh, man, you know what David could have said? David could have said, you know, I'm happy that Solomon got to build that. I wonder what Solomon's going to do. David thought, I I don't get to build a temple, but I can get everything ready. And he got just as excited seeing somebody else get to accomplish the will of God, and that takes a selfless individual. Are, Are we that selfless, or do we make it about us? None of us want to be told no by God. None of us. But if God tells you no, he knows what he's doing. He's got something better. And you know what I would tell you to do? Do what David did. Get just as excited about God's new plan. You mentioned my dad earlier. And uh, my hero. Dad's awesome. And many of you have asked how his health is doing. He's doing fine. It's not, his health isn't great, but he's, he's pretty steady, and he's as sweet as he's ever been. He pastored Lewis Avenue Baptist Church for 37 years. Just a little over 12 years ago, I became the pastor. I was there in the ministry, I'm finishing up my 26th year. And I knew this day would come, when in my mind I'm thinking, you've got to understand the math. Pastor mentioned I graduated in 1994, and I did graduate in 94, but I was done in 93. So I left in 93 and started teaching, and that's uh, after graduation, that summer, before I started teaching, in 93, I had 11 credits left. So I took six credits, had five credits left, went and taught a year, and I came back the next summer. They would let you do that. I marched in 94 with five credits left, and I took them that summer and finished it. And I thought, this is awesome, except for the rest of my life, if anybody ever asks me about this, I've got that asterisk. I've got to tell them, well, actually been in the ministry 26 and a half years you know the transition that dad had to make my brother Tom and I my brother Tom's eight years older than me he said you know after you became the pastor dad had had planned and looked to see if God would do that and was getting ready to hand the church off to a successor the church voted on that of course then dad he kind of lost his identity a little bit but you know what he's done for the last 12 years There are things dad wanted to accomplish that his ministry ended before he got to accomplish. But you know what he's done? He has become just as excited about what God is doing through the next man. And he's been one of my biggest fans, which I'm not even worthy of. So God may tell you no. But if he does, get excited about whatever else he has. Trust him. What an example that David set for us here. I love it. I hope it's a help and a blessing.